Welcome to the final 2021 episode of the Left Wingers podcast. I'm Kathleen. I'm Brandon. I'm Ross. And it's been a very long time since the three of us have been together. We hope everyone had a happy Christmas. And this is, I guess, our recap of the year. But it's kind of a miniature recap because we all don't have three or four hours to sit and go through everything that happened in politics this year. We thought it was going to be a quiet one boy oh boy were we wrong but you know luckily if you want to know more about what happened this year you can go back through our catalogue of the last 40 or so episodes we've done this year some great great content a lot of up-to-date stuff and what we were thinking at the time which I have to say is made for some very fun Christmas listening. Brandon did you have a nice Christmas? It was really nice it was nice to be around family and yeah, as a result of being around family and having a really good time. Now most people in my family have COVID. And luckily non badly uh, at the moment. But yes, <laughs> that's our Christmas present uh, as a collective. Nice. Nice. Ross, nice to see you again. Did you have yeah. a nice Christmas? I did actually. It was very nice. I just spent it with family as as usual. But like Brandon, we've all been given a, a blessing of COVID. Um so I had to go and get a test. Fortunately, it was negative, so I'm free, but many of the family are not. But so far, everyone's sort of fine, mild symptoms, and we'll hope it stays that way. How's your Christmas been, Kathleen? Yeah, really good. Managed to go to Ireland, but then just like Brandon and Ross played a game of don't catch the virus. It's a little bit different in Ireland, so that you have to pay for lateral flow tests and you can buy them in the supermarket, which I think is like kind of a little bit weird. So we went and did that. And then the pubs close at 8pm, which I find to be really crazy and strange. I just, I can't even imagine a pub closing at 8pm in Ireland. But we went to the local and at 7.45, they kicked everyone out. (laughs) That's Um, rough. You notice the common theme there of like COVID just plaguing all our families. Yeah. yeah, well, I think our story is our stories are one of thousands, I'd imagine, of people, you yeah. know, trying to self-isolate and spend Christmas with their friends and family. But I have to say this Omicron has absolutely smashed through Europe at a rate that's just incredible. I can't believe mm-hmm. how many people have got it. Every day I look on my phone and like somebody else I know has got COVID. It's yeah, so, yeah. it's it's so I it wasn't like this last year and it hasn't really been like this this year, but I did get boosted. Brandon, have you been boosted? I've been boosted, yeah. It Ross, have you me been boosted? So I had my I had my appointment booked for the twenty eighth, and then I had to self isolate. So no, I didn't. Oh, um, so you're going to get boosted? Yeah, we're going to get it rescheduled. Oh, um, nice. Anyway, so we're going to go on and we're going to recap the year. Um, as I said, this is going to be really brief, and we're just going to pick out some highlights and things of interest. And then next week we'll release an episode, or in the next few days, of our predictions for the year ahead. So give them both a listen and I'll be excited to see this time next year what actually happened because all my predictions going into 2021 were not even close. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what my predictions were. I'm really not sure what I was thinking at the time. I can't say that I particularly 
predicted anything correctly <laughs> i have to say i did i did think that the the virus wouldn't be as serious as it is now going into 2021 i was feeling quite positive about for example the vaccine and the effect that that would have on curtailing the the spread of the virus but hey ho here we are uh, <laughs> hopefully next year we're, it's self-imposed uh, lockdown not real yeah. lockdown I guess yeah exactly yeah I don't yeah mm, well here's the thing listeners that. I'm currently in self-imposed isolation because I can't get my hands on a lateral flow or a PCR at the moment so I'm just I'm just vibing I'm just not going out and socializing with people and uh it makes for a fairly boring new year but that's just got to be done because the government can't can't sort themselves out with a the testing program fun well, the Welsh the Welsh Labour government are lending you some some tests so you might get one soon that's true they are thank, thank you. you thank you uh, Marcus uh Mark Drayford there you go cute cute Boris Johnson ruining Christmases since 2019 so let's kick off with what's happened this year so cast your mind all the way back to January which, of course, I have to say, I have to obviously start by saying an Irish Catholic entered the White House. Uh, Joe Biden was put, won the election in 2020, was uh, definitely one of my, not necessarily highlight, but uh, a major relief I had to see Trump out of the White House and to see almost anyone else in it. So with that came, you know, the inauguration, the uh, introduction of Kamala Harris basically as the vice president the first female vice president I I think one of the I think the first BAME vice president as well I think I'm right in saying you know incredible stuff but of course we also have to mention as great the inauguration was and as lovely it was to watch that on the 6th we saw the storming of the US Capitol building and I have to say that did terrify me Mm -hmm. it's been a long year hasn't it (laughs) I know we're only in January Um, I know, it feels like another year. Yeah, no, I remember being full of optimism about Joe Biden. And I don't think it's all his fault. It's not going according to plan. He's got a difficult Congress there, but he's, he's not really delivered what he said he would. But that, I would say, is largely down to his Congress. Storming of the Capitol, it just feels like a lifetime ago. I, I can't believe that that was this year. But no, it was terrifying. I felt like we were in a movie for a, a couple of days when that was all going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but this this uh, time that Biden's been in office has felt like a long period yeah. <laughs> at the moment. There's There's been a lot happening in between him getting inaugurated and now. The storming of the Capitol building, for me, almost seems like a different era of US politics, which really shows mm. kind of how far I think the US has come on since that point. Uh, I just can't. I can't imagine something like that happening now, even though it seemed very possible a year ago. And I think that's really positive progress. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I mean, I actually think in a strange way that was the beginning of the end for Trump uh, and for like that kind of politics, because I think it was such a standout moment that even people that were fans of Trump or my understanding of it is is that people were fans and maybe had voted for him at that point the line was just a little bit too far um and there's I mean I remember at the time there were some absolutely iconic photos of 
people like congressmen and senators hiding in the senate and hide and like somebody got into nancy pelosi's office and they were ripping through all this like all of her stuff and you know it's as someone who works in westminster it's quite a quite a scary prospect to think that i don't think it would happen here but it's it's quite sad to see it happening in other democracies around the world but i mean that was that was only january but you know definitely kicked off the new year with a something quite major and another thing that felt like a long time was Jackie Weaver and her no authority here quotes in February. Now it was young Labour activists that discovered this absolute gem. Um, you young Labour activists that we know who probably we, we listen know. to Give this podcast. Hello, hello, Sean well, and Janine. How are you doing? Hi, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're listening. Happy New Year, man. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Hasn't no, she done well? Yeah. What a woman. I think she's got what? a book now, doesn't she? She does. She's got everything, mate. I think she's got a podcast. She even got a podcast. How how dare she? How dare she get a podcast on one viral moment? God damn. Um, she's got everything. She's got a book. I think she was on a lot of television shows. That is one woman who has made one viral moment into an entire career. Yeah. Love that for her. I don't hate it. <laughs> Man, that seemed like so it seems like years ago that Hanforth Parish Council. Um, we still need to get her on the podcast. We do. Do you know we're definitely we've we've invited her on before, but we'll definitely um we'll definitely try and get a date in the diary. It's all so many people we ask to come on the show and they say yes and we just can't we just can't figure out times and dates and getting them involved. But she was definitely one of those people that we would love to have on um maybe for maybe for a year. That'd a be year, brilliant. A year post. Yeah. Um and we can find <laughs> out what it's really like to go properly viral. Speaking of viral, I think we've got to move on to March, where we've got the Salmon Inquiry. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, a dark time in Scottish politics, which does not feel like this year again. I mean, it's amazing how quickly it all sort of disappeared once it was over. Like, that was all everyone was talking about for weeks, months. And then once it was over, that was it. We moved on. It was probably the biggest controversy I can remember in Scottish politics. Um, and there has been quite a few over the years. But yeah, it was a dark time, something I hope we don't have to, you know, go over again with any sort of similar circumstances. Another, you know, news story we had this year was the killing of Sarah Everard. March, you know, really was full of quite a few different incidences where it just wasn't a great time for politics in this country. Kathleen, do you want to talk a bit about that one? I know you were very involved in a lot of the, the campaigns. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's safe to say there were some highlights in 2021, but March was not one of them. Look, you know, I think, as Ross was saying, the Salmon Inquiry was absolutely fascinating for somebody who, like me, just observes Scottish politics from a distance and finds it interesting, but doesn't know enough to be able to comment intelligently on it. And also, you know, I think we spoke about it at the time that Sarah Everard, what what happened to her, how her family coped, the you know, incredible reaction that we saw up and down the country. Um, and those, once again, like the iconic images flash up in my mind of that young ginger woman being arrested um, and being carried out by police officers. And I think, to be honest, I actually think that people didn't trust the police beforehand, but that was definitely a turning moment away from, I think, the general public trusting the, the kind of the police force and the like what the police is and what the police does and I said it at the time and I just don't disagree with myself now like I don't believe the, the police will protect me in really any kind of major I think if something really terrible happened I'm not 
I can't guarantee, I think 10 years ago, I would have been able to guarantee the police would help. But now I, I'm, I'm really not too sure. So I think what that was kind of a part of was, for me, one of the big themes that there's been this year is government authoritarianism and the government taking the rights of people away and trying to impose itself on the population. And one of the reactions that we saw against that in March were the Kill the Bill protests, which, again, seemed like a lifetime ago. We're going to say this for, throughout the episode, I, I suspect. But the reaction to the police, crime courts and sentencing bill and what that meant for the right to protest, um, the right to, to gather and, and make noise and be disruptive. I found that incredibly worrying and it's still ongoing now, that process of you know, getting the bill through and implementing it. And that has been one of the biggest takeaways from this year for me, kind of how the government in many respects, not just the PCSC bill, but also in terms of, for example, migrants' rights, the government's been taking away people's rights. And there's been a lot of backlash to that. And I suppose, yes, it's been a negative thing that the government's been doing this, but it's been positive to see that people have felt uh, empowered to get together and stand against that as well I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways from this year for me yeah I, I completely agree and that will be something that I think will only accelerate next year I can't see 2022 being a year where the government just gives in to you know migrants rights workers rights or any kind of protesters rights can't uh somehow I don't think Pretty Patel is going to have that good of a Christmas and won't be feeling too generous in the new year but you know We'll see. I think something that's also worth mentioning is that a boat got stuck in the Suez Canal and we didn't have anything for weeks. Um, I think this was, you know, I, I do obviously say that flippantly, but I think this was such an interesting reminder of how we think the world is very interconnected and everything seems seamless and you can order something off the internet and it comes the next day. But by God, I think that was a little bit of a wake up call as to how delicate our supply chain and logistics system is and how, you know, uh, one small navigation error can cause millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. Did we ever find out what happened to the, the captain? Like, uh, I'm sure he, he got <laughs> a red talking to at some point. I, I hope he hasn't got a job. I hope he's doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, up the workers, but like, come on. You did make Yeah, you, you had one job. <laughs> you you one literally job. had one job. It was a hard job, to be fair. My understanding is the navigation is quite challenging around that area. It's my limited understanding, but mm-hmm. um, well, the thing is, is, I I think we came out of that quite well. They were expecting it could take weeks, months, and I think in a week it was out, which is yeah. quite impressive on the part of I think I don't know who actually manages the Suez Canal now. I'm assuming it's the Egyptian government uh, or international efforts not entirely sure but the the efforts that got that ship out to be fair were very impressive because I can remember sitting watching the news and thinking that ship isn't coming out like it's there it's there to stay (laughs) it looks really comfy you know it's got itself a cup of tea it's not happening for for us this year but it eventually did did uh slip out I love Do it. you remember they were sitting with like one digger trying to dig it out at yes. one point? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's such a sad picture. Yeah, <laughs> that was really funny. Well, you know, good internet content, just 
bit of a wake up as to the delicacy of the supply chain. Anyway, I think we should move on to April because this is really supposed to be a whistle stop tour of the year. So one of the things I think Ross and I agreed with, but also butted heads on this year quite massively was the football. Um, And obviously we'll get into what the summer bought for the English and Scottish teams in the Euros. But before we get there, we've got to talk about, of course, the attempted formation of a Super League you know, cast your mind back to when six teams thought they were good enough just to be in a league on their own without any kind of relegation uh, or any kind of checks and balances. Quite phenomenal bit of ego pushing there. And then cooler heads prevailed and some fan-led campaigns stopped it from happening. Yeah, it was a scary time in football because it really would have destroyed quite a lot of the, you know, teams, a lot of countries' national games, whether that be Spain, Germany, France, you know, England. It just wouldn't work for, you know, 90% of teams in a country, bar the big, I think it was big 20 at the time, wasn't it? The 20 teams that went for it? I think so. I mean, I'm all for reform to, like, the Champions League. I'd love to see more games, Barcelona, v, you know, Bayern Munich, whatever. But to think that you're so above it that you don't have to worry about relegation or any sort of, like you say, checks and balances, it, it was just arrogance from those clubs and football fans put them in their place yeah absolutely I just I think a lot of people copped on to this idea that what was once teams owned by fans and run by fans and supported by fans have now moved very firmly into the grasp of billionaires who are somewhat unaccountable to fans particularly I'm thinking off the top of my head of Chelsea and Manchester United, the two, like, mm-hmm. two teams. The two teams that stick out to me of, um, you know, owners that don't necessarily see too much, uh, Arsenal as well, I guess, um, who don't really connect with their fans as much as they should be. And, of course, forgetting that it's a fan, you know, it's the fan's game for a reason. But, hey, you know, hopefully that's the beginning. That was, to be honest, I thought that was an example of when people became political because it really they, it's about something they really cared about. And I was quite, almost overnight, those those anti-Super League campaigns sprung up. And I think um, it's definitely logged in people's minds now that this is like an issue. Fan-led football is definitely an issue. Um, and I'll be interested to see how it impacts, you know, the Premier League and the Scottish Leagues going forward. Just moving on to, to May now very quickly. I have to say there's not much that I want to talk about in May. And partly that's because there were the local elections where nothing significantly changed I would say I know that in a lot of red wall seats the Conservatives made significant gains but I don't expect that to stick given the uh, the rest of the year anyway we'll get on to that in our predictions I've got a question about that in the- <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah not to dwell too much on May but the local elections did unfortunately happen and we'll, uh, we'll have to see unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> We we did get onto better news as the year went on, uh, in terms of elections, but yep. yeah, that that was a thing that occurred. Yeah, <laughs> a new general secretary in June. Sharon Graham was elected to replace Len McCluskey, uh, and also we had the Euros, which I thoroughly enjoyed. England had a great tournament. Scotland, by our standards, we got there, so that is automatically a great tournament. Um, I can't quite remember how Wales and, and the rest of the, the countries in the United Kingdom done. <laughs> to be honest, I think Scotland did really well. I think they punched, to be fair to them, like, you know, they punched well above their weight. And 
I don't know what guy, I don't know what group you guys are in for the world's uh next year, is it? Um Yeah, so we're we've got um two playoffs to play and if if we win those we, we qualify for the World Cup. Nice. Um which will be exciting. Oh, I'm, I'm very disappointed it's in Qatar because like I just I, I really mm. want to go to qualify and part of me still thinks I might but I'm fully aware that that is a massive risk so I don't know yeah. we'll see what happens but yeah the Euros has, has done something quite amazing to the Scottish game like no one really cared about the national team until the Euros and now everyone's fully behind the team following on from that it's just really inspired a lot of people to, to take interest in the national team again which is great well, for me, the Euros were probably the best part of the year, just because, and this is this is the power of international sports tournaments for me, that whilst they're playing and whilst the tournament's taking place, time seems to not matter and things seem, seem to just glide along. And it happened during the, the last World Cup and it happened again for me during the Euros where, you know, you're in the pub all the time, you're around family, you're around friends, particularly because the, the virus wasn't as prevalent at the time as it has been at other points in the year. Like for me, it was just, it was a great time. It was pure vibes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'd had kind of the end of formal lockdown a few months earlier, but um, Gareth Southgate, MVP of the year, I think. Who's the manager of Scotland, Ross? Steve Clark. Steve Clark, MVP of uh, of the year. The Scottish year. Yeah, anyway, so both I think both of those managers went well out of their way to give people a fantastic summer. And, you know, I think they definitely were some of the heroes of this year. And uh, I'm very excited to see what happens next year. Definitely some question marks over Qatar, but nevertheless, was was a fantastic, fantastic few weeks. And although it did all end in quite a lot of tears for the England side, the journey was pretty fantastic. And it's nice to feel proud and happy of a of a national sports team. Talking of people who we feel proud and happy for, in July we had the Batley and Spen by election, which was probably it's again it's another highlight for me this year because Kim Ledbetter was a candidate who really, really did deserve to win. You know, forget about the Labour Party and what it meant for wider politics in general. She as a candidate was about as good of a, a person as we could have stood in that seat, to be honest. And she's done a great job since being elected. She's been a really strong voice for Batley and Spen. You know, I'm not from there, so I, I leave that to the, the constituents in Batley and Spen to judge. But I think, as an outsider, she seems to have done quite a good job already, mm-hmm. having only been in the post for, for less than six months. And I can't wait to see what she, she does in the future, how she speaks up for the residents of the area I think it's going to be fantastic to watch her grow not only as a person but also as a politician yeah it's, it's great for the constituency and it's it's a great story that she's got as well but I think that was probably the moment that seemed to start the turnaround in Keir Starmer's leadership I think had we lost that I'm not sure if he'd still be in post but I definitely feel from there it was always going up it was on an upwards trajectory from there he had that he had a great conference I felt um, and then obviously the, the recent weeks have been you know, very beneficial to, to Labour. But yeah, it was, it was a great time and I'm so happy for Kim. Yeah, I mean, what a superstar of the year. I think, uh, I think Keir Starmer owes her a very big Christmas card um, with some very nice things written on that. No, listen, she was a little pocket rocket, absolute legend. We're, 
I, I know Brandon and Ross. Uh, I think you guys went campaigning for it, didn't you? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and actually, to, to be honest, I think that as lockdown kind of hopefully fades and more things like elections will begin again. And like we can you know, be out on the doorstep and that's something that I haven't, I did a little bit this year. I didn't do too much of it, but I'm, you know, very, very excited to get back out on the doorstep properly next year. And that's something I think that we'll definitely be covering in our future episodes. So from a superstar to somebody else. Um, Super Matt loser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or apparently the civil service called him Mancock. So you can read into that what you want. <laughs> Uh, no, it's true. Apparently, they do. <laughs> no, they do. It's like Matt Hancock. It's like a kind of. A, anyway, apparently he's been having some affairs, and it turns out he actually hasn't been working twenty four seven on um on a on you know stopping Who'd COVID. Who knew? Who I <laughs> see? I didn't know. And what was what was a particular highlight really was the crying that he did on uh, GMB a few months. Was it like the December last December? Was it at like the December before on um on vaccine you know like when the vaccine came out and he was like me, me, me. i like had a little had a little sob on a had a little like genuine sob on a good morning britain it was not it wasn't genuine but i have to say credit goes to martha hancock for kicking him out i believe and then just <laughs> getting on a really good outfit and uh not bothering with the press so do you know what well done to her a lot of relationships actually on the in the cabinet of class this year no goes yeah Goves and uh, Goves and Hancocks, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Awkward Christmases for them. Anyway, um, so I think we should move on to August. We had the the Olympics, which I'm going to be honest, don't really remember much of. We also had the, the Taliban recapture in Afghanistan. That was a massive news story at the time. Uh, in England, COVID restrictions came to an end, and the IPCC's report into climate change was released. Is there any of those topics you just want to discuss? I mean, well, just the, the bitterness, uh, and when you said England's COVID restrictions ended, I think it's quite, <laughs> it was quite funny. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ross. And, and funnily prayers. enough, I, I apologise, Ross, because on the Google Doc that we're using, I've just put COVID-19 restrictions come to an end, not England's COVID-19 restrictions. I like, he probably hissed as well, which I yeah. enjoyed. <laughs> to be fair, I would. I felt the bitterness of that. <laughs> it's jealousy, don't worry. No, nah, I mean, to, to be fair, you're completely right too. A lot of those issues I think we've covered in quite great depth mm. on other po- yeah. podcast episodes. So I don't want to dwell on the them only, too much. Um, yeah, the only thing I would want to say just very quickly is the Afghanistan thing. It, it's like at the time that was all people were talking about for a solid yeah, maybe yeah. two weeks. And now we've just sort of forgotten about Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan. Like I don't remember the last time that was discussed on the news or yeah, yeah. you know, a senior politician. Even in the Labour Party's brought it up. And and that's quite shameful because we are partly responsible for, you know, what the Afghan people are going through at the moment and we, we need to take a bigger role in and I know we're we're not going to be able to, you know, fully solve the issue, but at least doing what we can to mitigate, you know, human rights abuses or, or whatever it may be in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean from a political perspective, I think we've seen, you know, there was supposed to be this Afghanistan resettlement scheme. It was supposed to be set up in, you know, at some point this year. And then we didn't we kind of haven't really heard anything apart from on the thirteenth of September, where we heard that the I think I think the word the phrase used was like it was in design or something like that. It was still being designed. And that that makes me quite angry because 
they had more than enough time to prepare for this and they knew this was coming and you know we're we're covering august and we're now in december so they've had the best part of six months to do something to relocate fifteen thousand people which to be honest isn't that much and we should be taking more and they just haven't really been able to do it and it's very it's been you know it's been very difficult to get any answers out of the government on this quite a lot of stonewalling and that makes me quite nervous for their lack of progress but you know it's definitely something that we're keeping an eye on and we'll definitely update the podcast if we hear anything else moving on to september the highlight of my year the honestly this is the highlight of my year i think the labor conference oh first time i went to the labor conference i I think it was the first time for you ross correct me if i'm Uh, wrong uk labor conference yeah yeah yeah. when you said the highlight of the year i thought you were going to say the ABBA songs but oh well <laughs> yeah no I was actually Ross thank you very much for just doing that link for me yeah so ABBA released a new no, <laughs> amazing to go yeah. amazing to see lots of people meet loads of new people meet you two obviously yeah uh, that's the first time all three of us no no that was your highlight of the year meeting, meeting us obviously that genuinely that was, that the, was highlight the highlight of, of the year <laughs> yes yeah it was yeah of course um no, it was I like how me and Brandon say that quite gen- like genuinely, and Ross is like, eh, <laughs> "Well, it was I all right." I met you, and oh, oh. That, no, 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 that wasn't supposed to be sarcastic. <laughs> no, <I'm being> <laughs> um, no, conference was great. Um, I will say though that I had, I thought I had COVID for like a week after it, test mm. negative. Conference, but I was ill for about six weeks following conference, like conference ill. Flu. Yeah, I was it just wouldn't well, leave me alone, and every time I coughed. Every time I coughed, people just looked at me as if I had like <laughs> I had <just> killed <laughs> a baby. I'm like, okay, take that. <laughs> no, every You've got time a I t-shirt coughed. saying I tested negative this morning and just walk. I'm just honestly. It <laughs> I tested negative this morning and just get it on the back of a t-shirt. I oh. do that. No, I, I came in the other night and I was coughing. Um, I had been out in the cold playing football, and my mum was just like. You need to go and get tested. You're coughing. I'm like, no, I've just been out in the cold. <laughs> like, this is normal. <laughs> this is what happens in winter. I did get tested, but I was fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think when you switch from like cold to a warm environment really quickly, you just end up like yeah. sneezing and coughing. I I just think that's quite a natural response. But one of the things, yeah. the highlights, one of the highlights of my years, like, is I wouldn't say highlight, but definitely like staring at people on the tube who don't have masks quite good at that I've worked quite hard on that it's pretty good I've kind of nailed the stare now it's like the like I'm angry and disappointed kind of stare oh nice um second only to like the like awkwardly shuffle away when someone starts coughing mm-hmm. but like not to offend them but also like please be one meter away from me at all times I mean that's just like covid it's just what we're going to live with now like you just can't have you can't just have a cold anymore like it's covid or nothing mm-hmm. like that's it there's no other like types of things. Um, but to be honest, the highlight of my year was Labour Conference. We had some fantastic content. A highlight, I think, was the Paul Mason interview that we did. Just what a thinker, what a guy, like just incredible and such a supporter of the podcast. And we're so we're so happy to have him on. And we'll definitely get him on at some point soon. Uh, the guy writes books like it's no one's business. So he'll be dropping something else, I'm sure, in the, in the new year. The, honestly the rate that man works at is wake up right sleep <laughs> that's, just, that's like, his life just he's just right he's just the man just can like churn. honestly i didn't i just think there's so few people who can just churn out like like top quality work like he can like he just like anyway i'm reading another one of his books and it's kind of like oh this is like one of 10 and it's like oh okay this is this would be like my whole brain would be just to write one of them 
Um, yeah. But anyway, so that was <laughs> that was so great. And then I got to meet Brandon and Ross, and I kind of was really happy, and it was quite sweet. And then we all got drunk, and that was kind of cute too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> cuter for us than the people around us. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were, everyone was drunk it's conference it's, it's all good it's all good um yeah I think the highlight of what, what did we do in our like in our Airbnb and we had to, we did daily uploads and that mm-hmm. was just like the funniest yeah. that all was, of us were like, just like dead inside but also <laughs> trying to, I'm happy to be there but also exhausted <laughs> honestly it took um, me like a good six weeks to get over that conference but it was great fun <laughs> It was great. It was great fun. And we can't wait for Liverpool next year. Obviously, the lads haven't been to Liverpool yet for a conference. Yeah. So we're going to do... Uh, so I think there's definitely an episode next year of Compare and Contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Brighton versus Liverpool. So definitely, if you want to see what we thought about it, if you want to see what we made at the Starmer speech, we were there, you know, give it a little listen. I think it's, I think it's a real gem to listen back to, actually. We're going to move on to November with the notable missing out of October, just because it, it, there's kind of a lot of themes that were continuing through the months. And October was, I, for me, one of those months where it's just like a continuation of what had gone on before, uh, pretty much. But in November, we had Owen Patterson and that whole affair blow up in Boris Johnson's face. And Tory Scully's really starting to take over the news cycle like it hadn't yeah. done before. And the first major hits to the Conservative Party polling as well. I think, well, one of the, I would call it one of the strikes that the Conservative Party MPs see as potentially getting rid of Boris Johnson. We'll go on to another strike in their words in a minute, but that that was the first one, I think. And I just can't, I just can't believe how it's all turned out, to be honest. There's been a lot of problems made by the government in the last year that were completely avoidable. Yeah, I don't know. Thoughts? Oh, we didn't do Cummings. Things. Was that this year? Was Cummings this year? No. Uh, no, Cummings must Carson? have been last year. No, that was 2020, Gosh, isn't it? Everything's yeah, because it was oh. 2020. Yeah, sorry, crack on. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, had they just accepted the slap in the wrist for this one, it would have been a Westminster bubble story and it would have blown over within a week. Instead, they decided, no, we'll fight it. You know, very almost brought down the government. Well, Maybe not that extreme, but certainly it's on the road to, to getting us there. Yeah, that and obviously what's going on in the last few weeks, it's just not been a good couple of months for the, the Prime Minister. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's definitely, like you say, a strike against Boris. Utter stupidity. And, well, that's to be expected, isn't it? And just moving on to the, the second strike, we are jumping forward a little bit here to the end of December. And we will return to the start of December because there are also some mistakes made there. But um, the recent release of images and stories and videos of the Christmas parties that took place actually in 2020, in December, acting as the second strike against the government. I think one thing that we're probably going to touch on in our predictions episode is a potential third strike and what that might be and um, (laughs) see see how Boris deals with that whenever that comes up, because it will happen eventually, I I don't doubt it. Anyway, would you like to take us back to the start of December and see where things started to go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I would. So so luckily, in the midst of what was absolutely, you know, really tough, tough couple of days for Boris Johnson, he actually swang into action, Brandon, and he, Brandon Ross. And um, 
And he went over and above, as he always does, and really put forward leadership first and just really showed us why we were wrong to vote Labour at the last general election, because he made a speech. It's pretty, it's pretty great. It was about Peppa Pig. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. You can go back and listen to it if you want. I actually listened to it. I listened to it the other day and I just laughed the entire way through and I couldn't take any of it seriously. I, believe, I just thought. I believe he also quoted Vladimir Lenin. Um, so I think you know the... you're in trouble in your political <laughs> career. <laughs> I think you'd you be know the when first... you're in trouble in your political career when you start quoting Vladimir Lenin. The first that, leader of a major UK political party to quote Vladimir Lenin in a speech, which is very interesting. <laughs> and anyway, it's Boris Johnson. In a big news for the Peppa Pig world, they had you know yeah. their marketing team probably had the best day of their lives. <laughs> yeah. No, December's just been car crash after car crash. Did you see the one the other day? And he was, I think it was an ICU unit he was in. And the the journalist asked him, where have you been for the last 10 days? Because he's oh, literally God. not done anything. He's like, and he mumbles and he mumbles. And then he goes, I've been in this country. I'm like, where the fuck else? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I might I use that. that more often in like my day-to-day life. Like, where have you been in the country? <laughs> Where have you been? Why are you at the I'm in the country. By him saying that he's been in the country, it makes it sound like he's not been in the country. What are the odds that he's not in the country? <laughs> I just, I despair. I actually don't know how this man has got as far That's as he has. Actually, I do. I do know how he's got as far as he has. A lot of privilege, but he definitely doesn't deserve to be where he is. Um, Fingers, I think it's the fingers on buzzers teams. If Boris Johnson says he's in the country, does that mean he is A, in the country, or B, abroad? As first ones, first ones on the buzzers, guys, have your, have your answers at home. Write us to us on a postcard. He could have been hiding in an airport, potentially, so he could have been neither. Hiding in the Who fridge knows? in an airport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hiding in the fridge in an airport. Oh. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> in a fridge in Gatwick. Sorry. <laughs> Do you need me for anything? Some... Oh. Someone's going to sit in a history class in like 50 years' time and they'll talk about British Prime Ministers and they'll be like, oh, Churchill, Atlee. And then there's a guy that hid in a fridge and talked about Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Truly, um, truly scraping the bottom of a barrel that I thought we'd reached a few years ago, but it turns <laughs> out it is absolutely endless. Yeah, re- remarkable. It's Things almost hilarious if it's can not. only get better. <laughs> they actually only could get better. I'm, I'm generally <laughs> quite a pessimist, but to be honest. I'm going to put I... that in the predictions. And <laughs> things only get better. Please, yes or no, teams. Please, for goodness sake. I love it. Give us some hope. It. Anyway, so it was, it was still a little bit busy in the Labour side. Um, while Keir Starmer, I'm sure somewhere, he was having, he was probably rubbing his hands together and thanking any god that he prays to, that Boris has spectacularly mucked up to the stage where it's almost irredeemable. But he was busy. There was a little shadow cabinet reshuffle that began, of course, without Angela Rayner knowing, which I have to say was the highlight of my reshuffle, was the fact that nobody designed, just like, you know, thought to maybe text her to just to let her know. But anyway, look, some fantastic people were promoted. Uh, one of our previous guests were streeting, friend of the show was promoted shadow health and to be honest he's so far done a really good job and i'll be excited to see what happens in the next couple of months with him yeah i'd actually say he's been probably the most effective shadow cabinet minister we've had this year and he's only been in post for what a couple of weeks couple of weeks uh, yeah. yeah no he really impressed me um 
and hopefully we'll get him back on the show at some point and hopefully we'll do so when he's he is health secretary. Yes. Ross, well, from a Scottish politics perspective, what was your highlight of the year? I mean, the Scottish Parliament elections weren't great, but just an ass taking over the party. It's We're not dead anymore, which is, it's not a high bar, but, you know, I would say without that, I think the election would have been much worse. In fact, I know it would have been much worse um, because the polling that we were getting before he took over was dreadful. But yeah, I think the only way is up for Scottish Labour. The last couple of polls I've seen, I mean, it is just a, a few select ones, but in the last month have started looking like we're going to gain a few MPs in Westminster. Not a whole large amount, but it's a start and that's what we need to look at. What about you as outsiders looking in? I definitely, I loved uh, Anna's dancing. Yeah. The little the little dance. I, I really enjoyed that. And I also liked, Ross, I remember you telling me about this, which is why it's stuck in my mind, the debates where Nicola Sturgeon was arguing against the Tory leader whose name, it's not Ruth Davison, it's the one after, I can't remember his name. Oh, and Douglas Ross. That's it. And and he and Anas does this like kind of side comment where it's like they're arguing like children so it was kind yeah. of like a it was it was very much it was like a put down but it was like not, it was a put down but then it was like and the and there are more important things that we should be talking about and not the constitutional question and that was I actually watched that debate and I was very I thought Anas did really well in all of those debates so definitely I'll be interested to see. I also, um, I'm sure, I, I can't remember if I've sent this to you already, Ross, but Matt Ford did a political party with Anas. It is mm-hmm. a podcast. It is so funny. The guy is hilarious. Like, maybe he was just having a good day. I don't know. But it was it was hilarious. I didn't know he used to be a dentist. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've not seen the full the full thing, but I have watched highlights. But that might be something I'll do over a new year. Um, yeah, he does. He, like, looks inside, like, Matt, Matt's mouth and just basically says, like, this guy hasn't brushed for 10 years or whatever. It's 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 very, <laughs> very funny. Um, I guess yeah, I yeah. could believe that, maybe. Anyway, so I think we've gone through the high... I think we're done for the year, aren't we now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I'm done with this year, to be honest. Are you done? We're done. Okay, we're we're done, guys. We're done. Okay, so I think that's quite a good highlight. Highlight, low light, important things, real. There's a lot of things that we did miss, but I think highlights of the year were definitely Boris Johnson being really stupid, Matt Hancock doing really things wrong, and then Owen Patterson being a non like a moron, and then just a kind of conglomeration of the Labour Party like stealthily growing in the polls, and it makes me excited. But I'm a little, I'm very cautious. I'm cautiously excited for what the new year might bring. And, you know, we didn't we didn't really see Keir Starmer come into his own completely. I can't really think of any highlights this year that really include him, apart from be- him being shouting in the pub and the Piers Morgan interview. But <laughs> both of those were OK, I guess. The, the speech was pretty good at conference, I would say. But look, he's definitely somebody who ne- next year... Keir Starmer needs to have a great year or he I, I really think he can cement what he's done in the past 12 months which is hang mm-hmm. on by his fingers and I think now he can kind of begin to climb up the kind of the electoral mountain but mega year next year in terms of elections so definitely a lot to a lot to stick around for a lot to stay engaged with politics for and if you're if you've got this far please keep listening We've taken you through a whistle-stop tour of 2021. I actually can't believe a lot of this happened in one year. How has the time gone? I can't even imagine. Anyway, 2022 is around the corner. If you're listening to this now, you'll probably be in the new year. 
if so happy new year we hope it's a great year for you our listeners for us as a left wingers community and of course for everyone in our labor movement a shout out of course as we should do every year now goes to the scientists who created the vaccine and our nhs heroes and our frontline workers who went out of their way to help us again this year when quite frankly the odds were stacked against against them at almost every step We'd also like to say just a massive thank you to our Left Wingers community this year. You have been completely outstanding and just the nicest, friendliest people to be around. We are so proud of you all and we can't wait to see what you get up to. There's no doubt this podcast has had a great year and next year I'm sure it will be even better. So thank you for listening. If you'd like to keep in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook subscribe to us on whatever podcast streaming platform you use and if you want to get in touch please do because we want your feedback on the podcast we want to hear from you we want to have you answer our questions that we put out on our twitter because they really do help to shape our episodes and yeah just like to echo what kathleen said that we're really grateful for all of your support keep whinging and we'll see you soon